HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Kentaro Tsurushima, who is the president of Canvas Creative Group based in New York. And he consults for Japanese food businesses with 20 years of experience in the field under his belt. And today's topic is BQ Gourmet, or B-Class Gourmet. BQ Gourmet means B-Rank dining experience, but it does not mean the second-class food at all. The Japanese people fondly use the term BQ Gourmet to celebrate less fancy but delicious food that you can casually enjoy on a daily basis. So today we will discuss what BQ Gourmet is, BQ Gourmet dishes you must try, the annual competition to celebrate regional cuisines inspired by the style of BQ Gourmet, how universally we can appreciate BQ Gourmet, and much, much more. But before we start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate the feedback. Now, let's start a conversation. Kentaro Tsurushima. Hello, Ken. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, uh, Mr. Kiko. Uh, it's, uh, thank you for having me today. Yep, so I'm very excited because I know your background. You're the right person to discuss this whole thing today. <laughs> oh, no, thank you so much. I'll, I do my best. <laughs> um, so to get to know you, uh, for listeners, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? So, yeah, my name is Kentaro Tsurushima, and I was born in uh, Osaka, Japan. I was born to a typical Japanese uh, middle-class parents, but I was lucky enough to... Um, to I grew, grew up in like spending half of my time in Osaka, Japan, and also in uh, New York. So elementary school years, I was in Osaka in 1980s. And middle school and high school, I came to New York 
and I um, I spent here. And I went back to college for Japan uh, in Tokyo in the late uh, 1990s. And so um, I grew up eating my you know mom's cooks. Uh, my favorites were like curry rice, uh, shoyaki, uh, pork ginger, um, omuraisu, uh, udon, and soba. And um, I also have a vivid memory of uh, eating uh, kyushoku or you know uh, school provided lunch in Japan. Also in like uh, 1980s, you know, family dine out was not an ordinary thing in Japan. So it was like uh, the only thing I went was like a local department stores. They had a dining hall at the top of the floor. And uh, I love visiting the dining hall and uh, order uh, okosama lunchi <laughs> or a kid's lunch. So, you know, that was like the only dine out experience uh, I had there. But uh, after that, you know, I went to the rooftop and, you know, there was like a character rise. And uh, that was like the thing to do uh, mm. before there were, you know, YouTube and uh, Facebooks and Instagrams right now. <laughs> Right. So you spent a crucial time um, of your use in New York, but sounds like you didn't miss anything in eating Japanese classic food. And uh, it's funny that the, you know, the top floors, they usually uh, one or two floors, the Japanese major department stores is yeah. guaranteed still now, I think they're restaurants. Yeah. And, right. And then when you go up a uh, escalator or elevator, you smell it. And it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's <exciting>. yeah. <laughs> Like Rao, like departments, it has evolved to uh, promoting the the restaurant brands there right now. So you see, like you know, ten or fifteen store uh, restaurant stores up on the top of department stores. But back in the nineteen eighties, that was only run. It was more like a cafeteria, uh, but like you know, high class cafeteria run by uh, department stores. That was a, that was a scene in the nineteen eighties. Right. Yeah, that's really culturally an important piece of information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, you've been in the food industry for a while. So, could you tell us about your business background? Yeah. So, um, actually, uh, I didn't start my um, business uh, with the uh, food, uh, food and beverage industry. Uh, I started my business career in the IT industry in the uh, year 2000. I was admitted to a Fortune 500 global conglomerate IT company. And I uh, spent four years as a salesman there. So, um, but uh, you know, being a salesman, it was more like a local uh, work. And as I told you, you know, I spent my uh, um, youth years in the United States. So I started, I wanted to work in the United States. So um, I, I took my uh, summer vacation off with my wife and uh, I decided to come to the West Coast to meet the business owners who were friends of my parents. And uh, I met uh, Mr. Nortosh Kanai, then the president, the owner of a mutual trading group. Mutual trading is a premier uh, Japanese food uh, import distributor in the United States. And uh, he offered to support me a visa application. So if, I, if we, we were serious, so um, we, um, we, uh, we, I decided to uh, join the uh, mutual trading and actually, uh, to go to West Coast, uh, we canceled our trip to uh, Phuket, Thailand, uh, and then we visited the West Coast instead. So, you know, of course, we were serious to find a new job in the United States. So then in 2004, I joined uh, Tokyo Mutual Trading. So Tokyo is a Japanese food exporter. And um, that's when I started my uh, food uh, industry career. So I was in charge of exporting uh, for about a an year, and then transferred to uh, New York Mutual Trading in 2005 after obtaining a visa. 
New York Mutual is a premier top-notch Japanese food importer in New York. And I started off as a purchasing manager. Uh, this is when uh, I was able to meet hundreds of uh, food manufacturers uh, from Japan and uh, locally here and uh, worked on how to expand the uh, sales and the uh, culture of uh, Japanese food here. And then in 2011, I was promoted to a vice president and was in charge of an entire East Coast operation. We expanded operation in Chicago, Boston, um, Washington, D.C., and Atlanta. Then at the uh, end of 2019, uh, I left uh, New York Mutual to pursue my new challenge to start my uh, own business. Mm. So I'm, yeah, so I currently uh, am president of uh, owner of a Canvas Creator Group, which was established in uh, April 2020. So we provide a consulting, advisory, and project management services to Japanese and local companies, plus uh, Japanese government agencies. I advise uh, Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Forestry on promoting Japanese food businesses here. And uh, we have also uh, managed uh, multiple Japanese food promotion uh, projects uh, from uh, Japanese green tea, Japanese sake, wagyu, uh, seafood, hamachi, etc. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we provide our expertise in not only uh, setting up events, but to arrange a hands-on promotion to maximize the value of the products. Mm. Right. So you have a natural uh, bicultural view because you spend some time uh, here when I was very young. And also, mm-hmm. I think the year you joined uh, from 2004 to mm-hmm. now, it's like a very formative years of the real serious Japanese food culture I started to thrive. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you witnessed a lot of things, and you, mm-hmm. of course, you tried, tasted a lot of good stuff. Through yeah, your you're right. You know, yeah, you get samples here and there, and you know, yeah, that was a, you know, that is still a good experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And uh, of course, a new, uh, new mutual trading is one of the most important uh, food trading companies in the U.S. And without the company, probably we haven't seen many um, important food items that we got educated about. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so I'm sure you are part of the big force <laughs> to promote. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, we will try our best. Yeah, as you say, you know, importing is uh, and the logistics is a very important part of, uh, you know, food business. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so um, I think, uh, yeah, everybody try their best. Yeah, and right. I think, yeah, if we're, uh, if I am a big help, you know. Right, and not to mention all those uh, regulation and the complicated red tapes, and you have yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, FDA, you know, they set a lot of rules. Um, so you know how to, you know, understand the rules is also very important. But at the same time, yeah, so rules also expand the sales. You know, those are sometimes uh, they don't collaborate together sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Or even go against each other, like like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. So uh, well, now that you're independent, I think I'm sure a lot of people see you as a good person to mm-hmm. yeah to solve all those issues. So so let's talk about BQ Gourmet or B Class yeah. Gourmet. We talked about earlier. So what is the definition of BQ Gourmet? Yeah. So um, I would say that BQ Gourmet. Uh, B-class gourmet is like a reasonable, affordable regional Japanese food menus. You can find it anywhere in Japan. So um, what is interesting about Japan is that everywhere you go in Japan, there's always you know, reasonable and uh, regional local food menus 
that are so good. I think compared to the United States, the variety of our regionality in Japan is much, much more, much faster. So for you to understand the BQ Gourmet in Japan, you must understand the big food regionality of Japan. I think one of the reasons why Japan has such a big regionality in food is because of its, its landscape. So like when we're in elementary school, we always learned that you know, 70% of Japan is a mountains and only 30% of Japan is a, a flatland. So I think, you know, like nowadays, you know, you have airplanes, you know, there are trains, you have cars. So uh, logistics is much, much easier. But like, you know, early, in earlier days that um, all those uh, mountains uh, was, was separating all those uh, regions by regions. And I think um, those regionality has evolved more. And I think it is becoming the base of uh, uh, BQ Gourmet in Japan right now. Mm, that's a great point, right? To go to the next area, you have to uh, cross the mountain and <laughs> all those, yeah, right? yeah. So yes, you're right. So yeah. you know, yeah. Also, not only the big gourmet, also for the Japanese sake too, and shochu too. So like, um, like if you go to um, uh, like southern part of uh, Ka uh, Kagoshima, you know, they don't make sake, uh, Japanese sake at all. They only make they only make uh, shochu. Mm. Uh, that is because from the lands. Uh, are not they are not able to uh, produce some more rice, so that you know instead they uh, they settled with the uh, they make more of a, uh, sweet potatoes, so it became more of a shochu and stuff like that. There, mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of stories like that. Right, and also uh, up until uh, the beginning of uh, the 17th century, Japan was basically divided, and they were fighting for land and the. The regions yeah. are all divided. So, uh -huh. and naturally, Japan has been a very poor country except for like Kyoto emperors and stuff. So, um, naturally, people ate something available in season in mm -hmm. that area. So, mm -hmm. that's why whenever we travel to uh, yeah. Japan, throughout Japan, I, I always like, wow, I didn't know <laughs> this regional yeah. cuisine. So, yeah. Right. I think, and I also, I also think that you know, Japan is uh is an island country. It's surrounded by uh, the sea waters, so that uh, you know there are abundant um, uh, seafood uh, ingredients there. And um, I think you know that has also played a big role in the um, um, creating a BQ, uh, you know, Japanese uh, BQ gourmet also. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think typically more seafood than the uh, uh, you know meat. Uh, in Japan in early years. Right, yeah, until the Meiji yeah. period, uh, yeah. people officially um, banned to eat meat. So, yeah, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so by the way, the BQ gourmet is a relatively new term. So when did Japanese people start to use the term and what is the origin of the term? So the uh, history book says that the term BQ gourmet was invented by... Uh, a freelancer journalist called Mr. Ryuji Tazawa. He's a lifestyle uh, food gourmet journalist. And the BQ Gourmet word was a term of the first used in 1985. He published a book, BQ Gourmet of Tokyo in 1986. So there he talks about, you know, uh, katsudon, tendon, soba, uh, hayashi rice, you know, those menus that have not been uh, properly recorded or talked about back then. So I think... Um, we say that that's the uh, first uh, origin of the uh, BQ Gourmet in Japan. Mm. Yeah, he should get an award by <laughs> creating a term. <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah, I think he's more than just a journalist, right? Yeah. 
he's like evangelist of uh, Japanese uh, BQ gourmet uh, food culture. Because mm-hmm. you know, um, BQ gourmet dishes are kind of foundational in a uh, mm-hmm. Japanese diet. Not uh-huh. not everybody eats sushi every day or uh-huh. rice kiyaki. So these are yeah. uh, daily friends, and you uh-huh. can't live without. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're right. So, and many people think of Osaka when uh, they hear the word Bikigumei. And as a former resident of Osaka, how do you describe Osaka's food culture as the homeland of Bikigumei? So, yes, um, I think in Osaka is such an interesting place to talk about food in Japan and also uh, Bikigumei. But uh, before talking about food in Osaka, I think uh, you have to understand that Osaka was the capital of Japan in the, 19, uh, in the late 1500s. And also Osaka is a one, hour, one hour away from the two Asian capital of Japan, Kyoto and Nara. So Osaka is also a face to a bay. And uh, Osaka is once uh, considered as a tenka no daidokoro, uh, I think which translated into the term like the main kitchen of the emperor and the shogun. <laughs> so like so the variety of foods products and like uh, cultures arrived in Osaka and what and also from Osaka it was brought to Kyoto and Nara. So like uh, before talking about Biki Gourmet, I think in New York, you know, we a lot of people talk about dashi from uh, kombu and uh katsuo. All that culture started in Osaka. So um and uh, if you go to south or to Sakai region, uh Sakai is very famous for artisanal knife manufacturing. So um, although the knives probably many of the chefs uh, use, uh, that's uh, uh, that's also the um, uh, like uh, skills for, and uh, a technique from uh, Osaka. So uh, that's just in general in uh, food culture. So if we talk about the uh, BQ gourmet, I think the most well-known uh, BQ gourmet in Osaka is perhaps uh, okonomiyaki and uh, takoyaki. So okonomiyaki is it's like uh, I would say um, it's from a, a wheat a batter that wheat flour Japanese pancake mixed with a uh, cabbage and uh, you typically add uh, pork or uh, seafood and uh, takoyaki is a bowl shaped like a pancake uh, but you put inside the bowl you put uh, typically a uh, taco or the octopus so in Osaka like when you visit the uh, uh, area called the Shinsaibashi. Like a main tourist spot in Osaka, it's like a, uh, similar to Shibuya in Tokyo. You know, you find you find uh, so many uh, takoyaki shops and also uh, you know okonomiyaki shops. Um, but takoyaki in Japan is it's like a typically a grab and go food, so you can see them you know cooking and rolling those uh, balls in front of you. So I think it's a big also a uh, uh, big uh, entertainment, and uh, they uh, you can choose your toppings. They you can put like a special like takoyaki sauce, mayonnaise. And then, um, like uh, you know, seaweed, um, like bonito flakes, and uh, so it, it's not only uh, good to eat, but it's also very entertaining to eat uh, takoyaki uh, when you're in uh, Shinsaibashi. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that I would say it's entertaining, but it's kind yeah. of artisanal. It's not craftsmanship. To yes, to yes. make takoyaki, but you have to need the speed and uh, yeah, actual yes. balance in the bowl. Otherwise, yeah. it's gonna fall apart. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So like, uh, if you like uh, nowadays, and if you look through the YouTube's, and if you search for like a takoyaki and uh, okonomiyaki, like uh, making, uh, you find these uh, stores. You know, uh, like uh, rolling the rolling takoyaki balls very quickly, and uh, because uh, uh, the the 
the pan of takoyaki or the okonomiyaki is very hot. So, you know, you can't, you can't be doing slowly. So you have to kind of do it the quick. Also at the same time to serve like, you know, 20 to, you know, 30 servings at one time, you know, if you do it uh, one by one, it's going to take so much time. So you have to do it very quickly. So, you know, you find that uh, on the YouTube to be very fascinating. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recommend yeah. everybody yeah. <laughs> to watch it. Yeah. 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 So, and like, also like, so like a big gourmet. So uh, from Shinsaibashi, if you go down uh, south- southward for about 10 minutes, you hit the uh, Shinsekai or the new world of uh, Osaka. Here's like a Tsutenkaku, a landmark tower of Osaka, like similar to like, um, you know, Tokyo Tower in Tokyo. So, but just like going uh, southward for 10 minutes, you have a totally different uh, BQ gourmet scene here. So here uh, you have more uh, kushiage or uh, fried meat and vegetable skewer in a dipping sauce uh, stores here. So like for the kushiage, uh, kushi means a skewer, age means fry. So um, uh, they cut the meats or the vegetables are into bite sizes and uh, stick on a skewer and uh, they fry, uh, fry it in front of you. And uh, they have uh, a special t- uh, special uh, sauce, uh, typically made from uh, vegetable, vegetable and uh, fruit purees, similar to like a, a Worcestershire sauce. And you know, once you dip them um, and eat uh, piece by piece, you know, it's just so good that uh, you cannot stop. <laughs> well, that's why people call Osaka is a kuida ore no machi. Yeah, like, yeah. Now, you, until you collapse. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, if you um, if you go to this uh, new. Uh, uh, Shinsekai area, there are so many, like, uh, uh, I would say very affordable, uh, cheap, uh, uh, snack shops. And, uh, if you know, uh, there, if you, I think, uh, I could say, you know, Umaibo, uh, mm-hmm. there is like a specific, uh, Umaibo shops there. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah, I think, uh, it's hard to find it anywhere else. And, uh, mm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, interesting. It's very fun and entertaining to go there too. Right. Can you just briefly explain what Umaibo is? Yeah, so Umaibo is, uh, yeah, Umaibo is like, um, um, I think, how do, how do you call them? It's like, um, a, like a rice cracker in the, uh, a stick about, mm-hmm. uh, uh, four inch sticks. And, um, they have like uh, onion flavors. Uh, they have like um, you know nori flavors. Uh, you have like a barbecue uh, flavor. So it's like a, uh, I would say like a, uh, in United States it's like more like a potato chips that's in like a, a stick, and uh, it's um, Japanese uh, most popular uh, comfort snack in mm. Japan. I would say so like uh, when you go on like when you're in elementary school, you go on like. Um, uh, like a, a field trips and you, you were able to bring a few snacks, you know, and everybody bring those uh, umaibo because uh, the, the one stick only costs uh, uh, 10 yen or about 10 cents. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you, know, you bring five of them and, and they're about, I think, you know, 30 to 50 flavors. So, you know, you bring the flavors, whatever you like. And uh, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting hungry totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm getting hungry too. Right. So so what's your favorite BQ gourmet food? Yeah, so you know, yeah, if I, you know, uh if I say, you know, the BQ gourmet in Osaka, it has to be the uh uh takoyaki. So, you know, like nowadays you know, it's not like uh, you know, I eat uh, takoyaki every day, but um like when you go to the festivals in Japan, uh, in Osaka, 
there's always a uh, takoyaki um takoyaki shops there and uh you know you wait in the line and uh you know you, as we talked about you see those uh, people uh, rolling uh, takoyaki balls very quickly like uh professionally um artisanally i think you know that's stuck in my memory and uh you know so yeah takoyaki is i would say uh, my uh, favorite biki gourmet and probably yeah, okonomiyaki comes right after Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. So takoyaki is also—it's like a like hot, hot dog. It's a must item at the street festivals. Yeah, but, you're right. Yeah. Right. So then okonomiyaki is—you need a kind of like specific uh, hot plate, and you can make it by yourself. But uh, yeah. there are specialty shops, and uh, sometimes you know, like I last time I went there, there's a very casual place, but then the professional uh, cook was making yeah. uh, okonomi. Yeah, perfectly. I would never be able to do that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it just, it, it just, you know, yeah. It just, yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain to words, but you know, yeah. If you just, you know, watch it, it's just fun to watch. And like, you know, I don't know why, but you know, you can watch them. You know, because I think way they do it so fast and very professional that you know, you know that you know you cannot do that. So you know, you can watch for five, ten minutes. You know, and it's fun just watching it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. If you do it, I mean, if I do it by myself, it's the the reason I make it. That's I want to laugh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. right. uh-huh. So, anyway, so the next question. So, fine dining restaurants are easy to find over the internet, but BQ Gourmet restaurants are very hard to spot. So, how how can we find a good BQ Gourmet restaurant? So yeah, so like if you go to Japan or in like Osaka, um, you know there are many uh, BQ Gourmet spots and restaurants. So I think uh, you know if you're in Japan, you know that's uh, that's one of the probably the reason that why you want to visit Japan. But I think yes, you know in uh, United States, uh, it's it's a bit different, and especially in like um, New York. Um, so I think, but like you know, if you put into that into United States, you know actually like the ramen is one of the most well-known BQ gourmet in Japan. But here, you know, ramen is considered as more like a flashy, uh, fashionable food here. So, but uh, you know, however, you know, if you um, go to a casual ramen restaurant, serve a many izakaya style menu, and like I think you get the glimpse of uh, Biku gourmet menus in those uh, restaurants. Mm. Yeah. So I think like in New York, um, I would say like Ace Village brings like the most of the uh, Biku gourmet atmosphere in New York here. So, um, like, if you want to search for BQ Gourmet in New York, you probably don't not gonna get it. But uh, search for like uh, izakaya and like uh, ramen restaurants. So, um, uh, I'm so if I think about these uh, restaurants, like one restaurant that come to my my mind is like a Rai Rai Ken, East Village. Uh, they promote uh, Japanese comfort food. So they have ramen, they have uh, takoyaki and uh, okonomiyaki. Uh, for the okonomiyaki, you know, they tie up with uh, uh, this uh, company called uh, Otafuku. So um, I think this is a very good example of uh, Biki Gourmet in um, New York. And so East Village, uh, there's also a, a sake bra disciple nearby. Uh, they're owned by the uh, same company, uh, TIC Group. And uh, so also there's like a, a izakaya uh, kenka. And also, uh, you know, not from Osaka, but... Uh, Kimura in East Village serves uh, motsunabe hot pot, and um, I think this is a biki gourmet from um, Fukuoka. 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Motsunabe, uh, basically, uh, they featured organ meats, which is very nutritious. And this yeah. country, people don't think of eating it, but it's uh, there's so many chain restaurants even in Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Omoyaki and yeah, that's, yeah. And it's really um, that's classic BQ, right? Eh? Because it's a uh, um, used to be discarded. That's why yeah. people say hormone, like hormone, yeah. like something to throw away. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. People found that oh wow, this is really good, delicious, and nutritious. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like it's a famous saying, like if you see lions in mm-hmm. Africa. When they kill another animal, they just flock into organ meats because that's the most nutritious part. So I see, yeah. Right. So yeah, as I say, you know, like uh, you know, motsunabe, they're the intestine of uh, uh, beef. Um, so I think it's it's probably not common to eat in the United States, but uh, if you put it into hot pot, uh, it's uh, at first you'll be very shocked, but you know, it's it's really tasty, and um, so I think kimura and also like uh, um, hakata tonton. Um, they also do uh, similar uh, hot pots, and I think that's also Biki uh, Gourmet uh, in uh, New York. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, so Biki yeah. Gourmet can be anywhere, basically. Now, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll discuss an annual national competition called B1 Grand Prix, which represents the BQ Gourmet boom in Japan. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hi, listeners. We wanted to let you know that Heritage Radio Network's Julia Child Fellowship application is now open. The fellowship offers an enriching experience for aspiring food writers and journalists who share our passion for food systems change. The fellowship is a great way to progress in the field of food journalism and digital media and will start in early January 2024. This fellowship will provide participants with hands-on experience, mentorship, and access to an extensive network of industry professionals. The application deadline is November 27, 2023. Check out heritageradionetwork.org and click on the Julia Child Foundation Writing Fellowship link to learn more. If you or someone you know has interest in food studies and journalism, this might be a great fit. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and check out the application today. Thank you. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on HRN Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Aki Koteyama, and my guest today is Kentaro Tsurushima, who is the president of Canvas Creative Group based in New York. He consults for Japanese food businesses with 20 years of experience in the field under his belt. Because of its popularity, Biggie Gourmet became an important tool to promote regional cuisine 
in early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2006, the na- nationwide annual event called B1 Grand Prix was born. So mm-hmm. what is the B1 Grand Prix? So, yes, yeah, so um, the B1 uh, Grand Prix originated in uh, 2006, uh, as you mentioned. But I think the main concept of uh, B1 Grand Prix was to like promote and brand the culture of the town or the specific region. I, I talked about uh, you know Japan is very rich in its uh, regionality, and B uh, and uh, Grand Prix's uh, uh, main purpose is to promote the uh, um, the regional brands, and so B1's B stands for brand. So I think, but you know, as however, when um, the B1 Grand Prix wanted to promote the uh, regionality, what they found out was that the best way to promote its uh, regionality or the local is by food. So um, when there is a uh, B1 Grand Prix held in uh, many regions, they are always promoting the uh, local foods of um, Japan. It's like from, uh, I think the Shizuoka's uh, uh, Fujimiya Yakisoba, uh, which won the, uh, I think, prize uh, recently. They're very uh, famous. Um, I think uh, there is like uh, from Mie Prefecture, uh, specific like gyoza. And so I think um, to promote the, uh, uh, the regional uh, culture, I think the food became the one of the most important uh, regionality. And I think that's what uh, B1 uh, Grand Prix uh, provides. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. And I looked at the data and in 2019, uh, it was held in Hyogo Prefecture. That was mm-hmm. pre-COVID. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Hyogo is next to Kyoto and Osaka. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, uh, the 55 competitors presented mm-hmm. the food and mm-hmm. uh, 300 10,000 people gather mm-hmm. from all over Japan and abroad. So you can see how popular the Grand Prix was. Yeah. Um, and then I think after the hi- hiatus due to COVID, the event came back this year. And mm-hmm. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, it was held in Mie Prefecture, which mm-hmm. is also close to Kyoto and Osaka. So mm-hmm. uh, it's alive and I'm sure it's going to keep going to promote mm-hmm. the regional mm-hmm. cuisine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, like you said, the website of uh, B1 Grand Prix says it's not about Biku Gume. It's about regional cuisine. Mm-hmm. And it's more like people say Gotochi Gourmet. That's regional gourmet food. That's another mm-hmm. term, Gotochi Gourmet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I, I think it's really a cool thing that they found this actual tool mm-hmm. as casual Gourmet, but it's not, it doesn't mean it does. A, it's a second class taste. It's a first class taste, but mm-hmm. it's more approachable. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, so as a business consultant who helps Japanese regional governments and companies uh, promote their local businesses, how important is Biku Gourmet? So as you know, as I said, I think you know, importance of uh, Biku Gourmet to Japanese cuisine is. Um, it's it's one of the most important, as it has a very close tie with the regionality of Japan, as uh, you know I have explained earlier. So currently in New York, I think you know izakaya or you know Japanese pubs or you know casual ramen stores are playing a key role in spreading the uh, BQ gourmet menus. I think for the you know next step for the culinary businessman is to select a menu from those izakaya and ramen stores 
which could brand and could be a next thing to ramen. So I think also like, you know, curry is, you know, slowly making its way. I think, uh, you know, gyoza or pan-seared dumplings, um, you know, takoyaki, okonomiyaki, I think all have a big potential to be um, uh, next uh, wave. Also like, you know, um, I work with, uh, you know, local governments in Japan recently, and um, it will be more important and imperative to promote uh, these, uh, you know, BQ gourmet or, you know, regionality movements. Um, not exactly tied to uh, BQ gourmet, but uh, I'm working with the uh, Fukuoka prefecture government to promote uh, yamecha or uh, yame green tea. Yamecha has a very, you know, distinctive rich umami flavor compared to uh, other typical teas from Japan. And uh, we just did um, uh, this uh, tea pairing at the uh, 11 Madison Park, um, which, uh, you know, Akiko-san was uh, able to attend, you know, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, those, you know, uh, kettle in Brooklyn South and serve these uh, excellent yamecha. So I think, um, you know, these are the things that, um, uh, you know, Japan and, you know, BQ Gourmet, and I think you know, there's much more, much, much more uh, BQ Gourmets in Japan. And uh, I think, uh, like, you know, years to come, I think you know, we'll be able to promote. And I think more Americans would have more access to these uh, uh, BQ Gourmet in years to come. Mm. Right. Yeah. I think it's important that now the internet connects everybody through social yeah. media and everything. And otherwise, uh, probably people didn't notice the existence of certain food that's only mm-hmm. available regionally and mm-hmm. realize how that's the reflection of the culture. It's not just yeah. the food, yeah. but mm-hmm. the nature. And then especially like yamecha, mm-hmm. uh, it's really mummy rich than tea, say yeah. like from Shizuoka or Kyoto. And mm-hmm. it's not just under one umbrella term, tea. Um, yeah. So those uh, discoveries and those discoveries of regional food, which happen to be conveniently, uh, you know, overlapping with the concept of Biki Gourmet, I think it's really um, yeah, instrumental. So, yeah, I think so. That, you know, just you know, talk about you know, you know, uh, rice from Japan. You know, there's you know, there are so many varieties of rice uh, in Japan compared to the um, United States. So like, so like you know, like a, uh, like sushi rice and table rice. You know. It's it's a completely different uh, character, and uh, you know where the reg- regionality where it is made is uh, different by uh, the regions too. So, and I think that's also um, um, you know making ways to uh, you know BQ gourmet and how it is served and um, stuff like that. So I think uh, you know there is much more and more of a depth to talk about uh, Japanese food culture. So I think you know. There are more uh, food cultures uh, known in the United States, but I would say that you know there is only um, you know on the top of the iceberg is probably known in uh, United States yet. So I think uh, yeah, there's a lot more that uh, we can do and it will be coming. Mm-hmm. Right, I always think uh, the globalization is coming with localization, right? Because mm-hmm. we discover yeah. more thanks to mm-hmm. the information. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And considering the effectiveness of BQ Gourmet in promoting local food culture and economy, so other countries could adopt the idea of BQ Gourmet, I think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on global BQ Gourmet? You know, so I think, you know, that is uh, very, very uh, interesting. I know, like, you know, like uh, Louisiana has a, uh, is famous for um, Cajun food, you know, Texas, Kansas, 
you know, famous for its uh, own barbecue, uh, you know, specific uh, barbecue sauces. Uh, if you go to like, uh, you know, Chicago, uh, pan fried pizza and stuff like that, you know, what would be important like, you know, to, uh, for the food culture expansion has to come with like town and region or the state to uh, promote together. Japan's BQ Gourmet became a bigger movement with um, Machi Okoshi. Machi Okoshi means like a town revitalization project. So I think that, you know, towns or states uh, uh, can work together to do um, a better job on this field in the United States. But I think like, you know, I recall uh, visiting a Nebraska meat, uh, the meat factory a few years ago. So uh, I went to dinner uh, with uh, uh, the Nebraska locals there. And uh, I told them, you know, I want to eat a steak from Nebraska because, you know, uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the cattle come from Nebraska. And, but uh, you know, there the locals told me that, you know, the best beat goes to where you live, New York. And so, you know, I ended up uh, eating a, a flank steak in Nebraska. So, <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, I think so. That's because of a more of the uh, business essence is probably a little bit more, um, I think, important in the United States. Mm. You know, in the United States, the and also like the uh, first uh, uh, fast food and the uh, franchise business model is uh, very popular here. But I think, you know, um, we can do something interesting if we focus on the regionality uh, for the in the uh, United States also. Mm, interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Well, by the way, uh, I went to uh, uh, Oma region in Aomori Prefecture. That's uh -huh. the hub of the best bluefin tuna. Yeah, uh, I saw the same thing. There's a truck that's uh -huh. ready at the port, and this goes straight to the Toyosu market, mm -hmm. <laughs> and locals yeah. are not uh, able to eat it easily. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, I think a good flank steak like you had mm -hmm. in Nebraska, it's really delicious yeah. too. So yeah. that's another big potential BQ Gourmet, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So so what's your favorite BQ Gourmet in America? Well, yeah, so I think um, uh, what's unique to me is like a um, uh, pastrami sandwich. Like in New York, I think a cat's the consistency is uh, famous in New York. But you know where I live in New Jersey, uh, my next town, Tenafly, has a kosher deli, and I think uh, their uh, pastrami is like uh, one of the best. And it just they just have a very uh, flavorful, uh, very juicy uh, pastrami. And also, I think like bagel, uh, it could be like a, a New York's uh, BQ gourmet. So like if you go to uh, um, you know local um, uh, bagel shops here, there's like a hobo or bobo and soho. So hobo stands for like ham and ham, double egg and hash brown. Bobo stands for like bacon, double egg and hash brown. Yes, stuff like, I think, you know, those can become, uh, you know, local increase ingredients. And um, I think that could be like uh, uh, a big gourmet for New York. Mm. And, and I also think like in you know, the pancakes, you know, like everywhere uh, has a big potential, could be like a big gourmet food. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not a big gourmet, but, uh, you know, I love the um, uh, Four Seasons Midtown the pancake. Uh, you know, they're not cheap, but, you know, I've been there a few times only, but it's really so good. Um, and I think, um, I think those are the things that, uh, you know, will, will, like maybe you can make like a New York 
uh, pancakes. Maybe you should go to Philly, Philly pancake uh, in Chicago, you know, LA stuff like that. I think in the United States, you know, chain restaurants are everywhere. So you know, like you know, I would say like, rather than promoting the, just like the same services, the menu everywhere, I think it would be interesting if uh, you know some chain restaurants promoted more of the regional menus, and uh, I think that could be interesting. But uh, what do you think? Mm. I think it's uh, our responsibility, right, to preserve that visionary because mm-hmm. everything, like if you, even you travel clothing stores, let's say you go to Milan, you're in Paris and Tokyo, mm-hmm. the same, all, all the same names, but um, mm-hmm. by the same token, you have local food mm-hmm. and uh, it's easier because it's so personal. Mm-hmm. And, and you've been talking about this bagel thing and I, I'm kind yeah. of obsessed to yeah. find the best bagel by my definition it has to be classic uh-huh. but uh-huh. uh it cannot be too bulky because you don't feel good afterwards and then yeah. this is balanced with the moisture yeah and if you toast it it cannot be burnt because it's too small like yeah. <laughs> it's a very personal but the simple food like baking gourmet kind of ask you uh the quality because otherwise it cannot be uh surviving Mm-hmm. Uh, over years so yeah it's a casual style but the quality being always asked so yeah i think like you know i i have you know i have a friend here in new jersey and he is um he has lived in new orleans for about 10 years but he said that you know the bagels there and uh is very different from the bagels in new york and that you know the bagels in New York is much, much better. I think he said that that's probably from like water and stuff like uh, is different between New Orleans and then in New York. So it's, I think those are things probably that probably are not talked about yet so much yet. So um, I think, you know, that's kind of interesting too. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's the key. Like, who, who's right? Who, who, who knows? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, those people think that's our best bagel is yeah. here, but yeah. So yeah. I think, but, but but I think if you go to New Orleans, you know, like you know, Cajun food um, is probably popular. Um, so I think you know, food uh, like you know, like meet like a food network. You know, I think they talk about um, uh, you know Cajun food. I think they probably talk about bagels. I think, but uh, yeah, um, I think we can do um, uh, and promote uh, much much more uh, with about uh, BQ Gourmet of um, you know in uh, in uh, United States. I think, mm. yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's uh, much more to do. I think, you know, uh, coming up, you know, uh, coming up with, with the, uh, like, local menus using uh, local um, uh, ingredients and stuff like that. I think, uh, yeah, there is uh, more to do. And uh, I think that would be very interesting in uh, for the United States for years to come, if that mm. happens. Right. So now I think when I travel anywhere in the world, America, Japan, or anywhere, I would think of Big Gourmet and try to find the regionality of it, naturally, mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. what's unique about it. So mm-hmm. this term, Big Gourmet, is kind of a good lens to mm-hmm. uh, dig into the local food culture, which is yeah. mm-hmm. rich and precious, and we have to preserve them. Mm-hmm. Right? So and you've been bridging Japanese food culture and consumers abroad throughout your career for the last 20 years or so. So what are your plans and dreams? So I think uh, one of our uh, new challenges to uh, work with uh, Japanese local governments to help promote local products and cultures outside of Japan. The potential of a food business will expand 
when they work in collaboration with um, other industry, such as like uh, tourism. So I would like to work to set up like a new trend in working with the uh, in not only the food and beverage, but also to collaborate with like in other food industries and to promote the food and also the regionalities. Also, like uh, for Japan, like an anime or Japanese cartoon is very, very popular on the world. And um, I think uh, food business can collaborate more with uh, those industries also. Like, you know, actually, I have one story like uh, back in like 2008, before there was like a, a ramen boom, uh, I used to attend a lot of like a, a food expos. And so when I meet like you know, young generations, uh, they knew they knew ramen. So I asked them, you know, do you know ramen, right? Because, you know, we, we provide samples. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know ramen. This is what uh, Naruto eats, right? So, you know, I didn't, I didn't you know, I was a bit older to uh, uh, read a Naruto. So I didn't know much about Naruto. But and I was like, yeah, 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 that's, uh, so yes, ramen is like uh, what the Naruto is. But, <laughs> I, but I think that, you know, already they knew that, you know, ramen is uh, some, some, something they know it from. Uh, other sources that you know it's something that you know they know it already so you know it's easier for them to challenge but you know that was only about you know 2008 uh, 15 years ago so and you know back then you know there are still um, not many uh, ramen stores back then but now you know after 15 years later you know you look around and um, you know there are so many uh, you know ramen shops I think so this is just like uh, you know organically uh, collaborating with um, other industries and I think um so, you know, those are things that, you know, I would like to do. And uh, I'm also working on a new project to expand the uh, like Japanese uh, natural healthcare products. So I think, you know, we can utilize these expertise of food business marketing. And I'm thinking to close uh, the you know, gap between these, you know, uh, industries to create a new trend here. And, you know, we talked about Yamecha and, you know, also in a lot of the, you know, um, natural foods uh, and these, you know, natural health products, uh, can collaborate and stuff like that. So I think, you know, yeah, uh, those are my plans, dreams. And um, I will also like to open office in Japan soon. And then hopefully, you know, expand to uh, other parts of the world, like, uh, you know, Europe. And yeah, so these are my goals and dreams. Mm, right. <laughs> you have so many uh, keywords in your dreams. Mm. So I'm sure one day they're going to be all connected. And uh, I think yeah. a lot of people <laughs> need your ideas and help. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good luck. And maybe you can come back. You know, I have so many topics that you can uh, discuss as well. No, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. So where can we find your updates online and on social media? So, yeah, so you can find us at uh, www.canvas-cg.com. The website is currently under renewal. So uh, it is, uh, it's, I think uh, it's going to open, uh, it's going to be launched shortly. So wait for it a little bit more. We also do uh, Instagram, I mean, the Facebook, uh, Canvas, Underbar, Creative, Underbar Group. So uh, yeah, we, we need to update that a little bit more, but uh, yeah, you can find us there. Okay, great. So yeah. uh, good luck and uh, yeah, please come back and uh, I will I'll give you a shout when I, whenever I need. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Siaka. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, it was a truly um, uh, impressive um, moment for me to talk on here. And I enjoyed it very much also. I hope the listeners will too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they did. So thanks so much for joining us today, Ken. 
So, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or akikopatema.com. Japan Needs is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineer Julian Warner, and thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.